Why can't we just have a nice family dinner? What's so hard about that? Have you or your partner ever wondered that maybe to yourselves, maybe aloud? This is a question I get all the time, and today I'm going to tackle it. Why can family dinners be such a struggle? And some strategies to make it a little bit easier and find a rhythm that works for you. Hi, this is Danae. I'm the founder of Simple Families. Simple Families is an online community for parents who are seeking a simpler, more intentional life. In this show, we focus on minimalism with kids, positive parenting, family wellness, and decreasing the mental load. My perspectives are based in my firsthand experience raising kids, but also rooted in my PhD in child development. So you're going to hear conversations that are based in research, but more importantly, real life. Thanks for joining us. Hi there, Danae here. Thanks for tuning in. I am excited to take on this somewhat lofty topic of family dinners today. It's a question I get all the time from parents. Why does it feel so stressful to get everyone to gather around the dinner table? to share a meal together, a time that's supposed to be something, quote unquote, all families do together, something that many of us feel like should just be a given. Before we get into that, here's a one minute word from today's sponsor. The sponsor for today is PrepDish. PrepDish has made my life so much easier when it comes to feeding my family. And easy and family dinners, as we're going to talk about today, are two things that are generally not synonymous. PrepDish is a meal planning service. There's three steps. You'll get this PDF in your inbox each week. The first page is the ingredient list. I order my groceries online, so that's really easy. The second step is the prep day list, the things that I can prep in advance to make step three, dish day, even easier. So when you get to step three, which is getting the dish on the table on the actual day, most of your work is already done for you. You've done a lot of the heavy lifting on prep day. From meal planning to execution, PrepDish makes it easier. Go to PrepDish.com forward slash families to try two weeks free. Again, that's PrepDish.com forward slash families to try it free for two weeks. Many of you listening will know that there is research to support the family dinner. We know that family dinners help our kids to eat better. Research shows that nutritional intake and the quality of the diet improves when families are gathering together at the table. When it comes to the adolescent years, we know that family dinners can reduce risky adolescent behaviors like alcohol use and drugs, school performance, etc. So the benefits of family dinners are twofold, well at least twofold, in that they have the potential to improve our physical health through the quality of our diet and also have the potential to improve our mental health and our children's mental health through the social connection that takes place. Now notice I use the words potential and possibility when talking about those benefits. Because for many, many families, the family dinner might actually be taking away more than it's giving. It might actually create more stress and have a negative impact on mental health. It might not move the needle on getting kids to eat new foods. There's no guarantees. So we have this catch-22 that comes into play here, where the research tells us that if we get the family to the table for dinner, it's going to improve the quality of our children's diets. Well, at the same time, 
if we get the family to the dinner table and the dynamics and overall vibe at the table is negative, it's going to decrease our likelihood of our kids trying new foods and expanding their diets. So as a parent, that's an easy place to feel stuck. And we're going to talk more about that today. If family dinners feel overwhelming, know that you're not alone. I want to talk first about some of the obstacles that many families face, and also we'll get to some strategies. But first, I want to encourage you to start right where you are. Even if family dinner time is a hot mess in your house, even if you've got three kids on iPads while you're shoving food in their mouths, or a couple of kids who refuse to come to the table, or a partner who never comes home on time, or McDonald's at the table every day, or maybe dinners are taking place in the car, wherever you are with family dinner, start right there. Now, if you're in one of those places that I just mentioned, there is a possibility that you're also there with some shame or some guilt, feeling like you're stuck, feeling a little embarrassed because family dinners are quote unquote, what we're supposed to be doing. There's a lot of idealizations around the family dinner. Let's start with unpacking a bit about what comes to mind to you when I say family dinner. What are your idealizations? I'll tell you mine. So mine is, for whatever reason, a large family, a larger family than mine, sitting around a dinner table. Maybe it's an extended family or a family with a lot more kids than I have. And all the food is placed on the table. This is not a buffet-style family in my idealized family dinner. It's all on the table, of course. The kids are willingly and happily passing the food back and forth using all of their utensils. There are placemats on the table. For longtime listeners, you know my beef with placemats. There's even a nice centerpiece in the middle of this table. The dinner is fairly long. I would say somewhere in the range of 45 minutes each night. And the food is completely home-cooked from scratch. Even the beans, they're not coming out of a can. In my idealized family dinner, we're taking turns going around the table, sharing a little bit about our days. Maybe we're doing highs and lows. We're celebrating each other, making eye contact. I don't even know if I need to mention this, but of course there are no devices anywhere within 20 feet of the dinner table. No one, and I mean no one, is standing up and walking away from the dinner table for any reason. That means the person who prepared the dinner, me, has remembered to give everyone a glass of water and a fork and a napkin. Oh, there's more. No one takes a bite until everyone is seated around the table and everyone has all the things they need to engage in the meal, which I've remembered to put all of those things on the table because for whatever reason, I've made that my job. So we all sit down together and we stay seated the entire meal and we don't eat until everybody's there. If an unusual circumstance arises, like somebody has to go to the bathroom, of course that somebody excuses themselves, walks away from the table and comes right back, having washed their hands with soap. And when everyone's done, they stay at the table until everyone is finished. Even the two-year-old waits at the table until everybody has finished. And then we walk away together. We all pitch in and clear the table, load up the dishwasher, wash the dishes, and then in an orderly fashion, march up the stairs to start shower slash bath bedtime. I mean, I could probably go a little deeper on that. I mean, maybe after dinner, we do like a read aloud together. I'm not sure. But 
I'm wondering, after listening to my description of the idealized family dinner, how much of that is in your description? Maybe pre-kids, you started kind of creating this vision. Maybe some version of that bits and pieces were true to you as a child. I do think you'll be hard-pressed to find the family that executes that every day in the year 2023. And I also think you'd be hard-pressed to find a parent that doesn't have some amount of guilt around not executing that every day. If you don't have that guilt, good for you. I have a little bit of it. But as much as I idealize, I'm also a realist. And I know that I'm doing the very best that I can. And I also know that I'm not executing family dinners even remotely close to this description that I've just given. So start where you are. Let go of guilt and expectations around food quality, around positive behavior at the dinner table. One of the reasons that this is hard is that we have these visions of what it's supposed to be like. And when it falls short in any way, we can get down on ourselves about it. And when we get down on ourselves about it and we feel like we're falling short, the natural tendency is to get a little bit irritable or maybe a lot bit irritable. And as the thermostat in your house, when you get hot and spiral, often many others do too. So spend some time unpacking what does a quote-unquote nice family dinner look like in your mind, and then lower the bar, and then lower it again. One of the reasons that family dinners are hard is because many of us are overscheduled, especially during the week, especially in the evenings. So it's hard to physically get all the people to the dinner table. Even if all the people are home, some of the people might have had a sports practice and they're really tired and want to veg out in front of the TV. One of the partners might be driving some of the kids from one place to the other, or maybe both of the partners work late, and by the time they get home, it's too late to prepare a meal. So busyness during the evening and after school hours is a huge challenge in executing a quote-unquote nice family dinner. That busyness not only robs us of our time to prepare the meal and to set the table and all all that good stuff, but it also wears us down. And it makes the evenings a very vulnerable time of the day to pull off a home-cooked meal with the family gathered around for any amount of time with any bit of decent behavior. So wiggly, bickering kids is another obstacle, right? These kids who are tired after school, especially as it's creeping closer to bedtime, are going to have a harder time holding still. They're going to be more likely to argue, more likely to wander from the table, especially if they're not particularly hungry. If they've had a big after-school snack and they're not coming to the dinner table hungry, it's going to be really hard to keep them there, maybe even really hard to get them there. So balancing snacks and mealtimes is really important. In our house, we use what I call windows for mealtime. Rather than dinner's on the table at six, dinner time is from five to seven, the hour before the meal and the hour after the meal. So no eating the hour before the meal and no snacks the hour after the meal. This helps the kids to come to the table hungry, and it also prevents them from walking away from the table and asking for a snack five minutes later. So think about mealtime as a window of time rather than a specific time. We also have to make sure that our expectations on kids coming to the table are developmentally appropriate. A two-year-old's not going to sit at the dinner table for 45 minutes and have an in-depth conversation with you because they just don't have the language skills. They don't have the patience. They don't have the frustration tolerance. 
to deal with a sibling that's poking them. The same could be said of a four-year-old or an eight-year-old, or sometimes after a long day, even a 12-year-old. So not only is it dependent on their age and their developmental stage, but also the kind of day that they had. That goes for us too. If your idealized family dinner has a home-cooked meal and you don't get home from work until six o'clock, it's going to be tricky. This year, I've started working late one night a week. I've been using prep dish for years in order to do the bulk of the meal prep in advance, so it is really quick to get the meal on the table the day of. But even if 10 or 15 minutes feels like too much for you and you are reaching for fast food, you're reaching for frozen meals from the freezer, you might see if you can do all the prep in advance. On the weekend, I make a giant, giant pot of soup. And that's kind of like our emergency mealtime. So on the days, which is often, that I don't cook dinner or for lunches, especially for my husband and I, we eat whatever the soup is that I cooked on that Sunday. If you're going to do that, if you're going to have one giant meal that you're going to eat for leftovers all week during those vulnerable periods of time, I would encourage you to make sure that getting that meal on the table is going to be as easy as getting a frozen pizza on the table. That means just reheating it. So that's a giant casserole, a giant pot of soup, something that just needs heated up and can be prepared fully in advance. I think that a lot of people get caught up in the duration of the meal, that it's too fast. The kids come, they have a couple bites and they run away from the table. That also can be developmentally appropriate. I do find that the duration of the meal tends to last longer if the food is served on the table versus buffet style. If you have kids who have a short attention span and can barely sit for five minutes, if you do place the food on the table, you can encourage them to scoop their own food. They may feel more likely to have seconds if the food's still in front of them. It makes the meal a bit more engaging when it's served family style like that on the table. So that can extend the length of a meal some. I think about it similar to when I eat from a buffet in a restaurant or at a hotel. Usually those meals tend to be shorter and quicker than if I sit down and order something. The benefit of a longer meal is more time to share, more time to connect. But I also don't think that we really need to have this as a period of forced connection either. Some kids really do like to share during mealtimes. Other kids just like to focus on eating. I know a lot of kids prefer to share at bedtime, which means when they're laying down, getting ready to go to sleep, reflecting a little bit on their days. So if you have a kid that doesn't love to talk at the dinner table, doesn't love to share about their day, know that you're not alone. Think of a time of the day that might work better for them. They might respond better to that conversation one-on-one also. When it comes to family dinners, we need to consider the law of attraction. As humans, we tend to have a negativity bias, which means we notice the negative things much more than the positive things. In our brain, the negative instances stand out far more than the positive ones. So you need to notice the good. I do this all the time. I think it probably kind of annoys my husband, but whenever I notice that my kids are sitting well and they're eating well, and we're having, quote unquote, some semblance of a nice family meal, I always say it out loud. Wow, look at us. We're having such a nice meal. It's so great. I really enjoy sitting with you at the table. 
I notice when it's happening. I say it out loud so everybody can hear it. Everybody mentally makes that check mark of, oh, wait, look, we can have a nice meal together. Because without that, that negativity bias, that our meals are always so stressful, that tends to take over. So how do we override that? And for me, for my own well-being, I do that by saying it aloud. But I do think in some ways it supports everyone else too. And it is also encouraging and reinforcing to notice that. We need to get away from thinking that the only family dinners that are valuable are the ones that are home cooked. If it's takeout and you're sitting together, looking each other in the eye for a few minutes, that's a win. I remember pre-kids, a family that we were friends with invited us over. They had three kids. We had zero. And they invited us over for dinner. And we got there and it was takeout. It was barbecue. And I was really surprised. I'm like, wow, that's interesting. You invited us over for dinner and you didn't even cook? 27, 28-year-old me was very judgy about this. But now I get it. I understand all that goes into the preparation. And now I really do value spending time with friends and other families and eating takeout together. It's less stress and more opportunity to enjoy each other. But according to the research, one of the big perks of family dinners is the improved dietary quality. So having takeout every night that might be loaded with sodium and carbs and other things that are not well balanced, we're probably not getting the full benefit. But hey, if we're getting the social benefit and missing out on the dietary benefit, at least we're one for two. We're human. We can't win them all. We shouldn't even try. So I really think sitting down with your family and having takeout together or sitting down with another family and having takeout together, there's still immense value in that. I also think maybe we take it too literally to say the family dinner, like what about the family breakfast? We love having breakfast together on the weekends when we can start our days a little more slowly, when the foods are a little bit easier to cook, we have more time to clean up before having to hustle into the bedtime routine. So if family dinners aren't working for you, think about moving to family breakfast. The research also tells us that the time spent at the table should be enjoyable. And when kids enjoy coming to the table, they eat better. Now, this is a slippery slope in some ways, because I think what happens is that parents will find that their kids eat better when they have iPads at the table or they watch TV during dinner. And then we feel like the only way we can get our kids to eat is putting them in front of a screen. This can develop through habit, but if you're using a screen to get your kid to eat, know that you do have other options. This is a behavior that you can change. Now, I talked about in a recent episode how my son has been coming home from school and he's been getting home really late at like 5.10. His school goes it's for a longer day and he's been watching TV and eating his dinner. And I've been okay with that. He goes to bed at 7. And that's happening more as a result of time constraints because he gets home at 5.10 and he goes to bed at 7. So I've chosen to lump together his 45 minutes or an hour of screen time with dinner time. And I feel okay about that. It's working right now. I think that is a bit different than the mindset of the only way my kid will eat is if they have a screen in front of them. Like they have to be distracted in order to eat. So if this is what you're doing and it's been this way for a long time, yeah, I do think behavior change will be hard, but not impossible by any means. We want the table to be a pleasurable, enjoyable place to be. We know that kids are going to eat better as a result of it. But if they're in the habit of watching screens while they eat during dinner time, they're going to be pretty annoyed and upset 
if you pull those screens out. So if that is what you decide to do, expect an extinction burst, which means anytime you're trying to change a behavior, it gets worse and it gets more challenging. So in this situation, getting them to sit at the table and eat without the screens is probably not something they're going to do willingly. They may be upset about, but likely those hard, big feelings are going to pass after a couple of days as you're consistent. So when I say make the dinner table an enjoyable place to be, I mean, let go of some of the pressure. Set realistic expectations. Don't expect 45 minutes of sitting in lengthy conversation. Meet your kids where they're at right now, making small, tiny, incremental changes that are based on reality, not idealizations. One last thing I wanted to touch on was sensory sensitivities. Often when I work with families, I find that there's usually one parent who struggles at mealtime due to being overwhelmed from a sensory perspective, especially from an auditory perspective. All the kids chewing and talking, maybe the bickering, all of it being kind of centralized into one small space can be really overwhelming, both for kids and for parents. So notice if this sounds like you or if it sounds like someone in your family and take that into consideration. So family dinners, recognize that there are going to be seasons of change, seasons where you're all sitting together for a whole five minutes and you're calling it a win. And then maybe as your kids get older, seasons of time where you're sitting together for 20 minutes and that feels like a win. Meet your kids right where they're at. Know that you have limitations based on your schedule, based on their schedules. If the schedule is something that can be tweaked and revised to make more space for this, then go for it. But make sure that your expectations for the quality of food, the amount of time that you're spending together, the frequency, the gourmet quality of all the meals, make sure those expectations are realistic for you and your family. Thanks so much for tuning in.